When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest weekly podcast. I've got to say, it feels like a long time since the gang's all been back together, really. So it's nice to see everyone. Thanks so much for joining as well. And uh, yeah, so I better introduce everyone. Andy Dunn, my colleague from the Daily Mirror, Matt Dunn from the uh, Daily Express, Jeremy Cross from the Daily Star. Good morning, guys. Nice to be with you. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all looking resplendent, particularly your your haircut, Jeremy. You've taken years off you. But um, yeah, but there you go. Uh, anyway, I better not get myself into trouble here by making inappropriate jokes about hair. Um, uh, We've got plenty to discuss this weekend ahead of a massive um, Merseyside derby. Implications for both teams, aren't there really, at both ends of the table. But also, that takes into the title race. Man United, wow, where do we start with that? What a job Eric Ten Hag has got on his hands. As someone said to me, a former player said to me last night in the Stamford Bridge press room, um, Eric Ten Hag has arguably... Uh, taking on the biggest rebuild job in Premier League history, and it's difficult to uh, disagree, really. And, of course, the race for the top four. But, listen, let's start, shall we, with that title race, really. I mean, Liverpool did send out a hell of a message on Tuesday night. They really laid down the gauntlet, didn't they, for for Manchester City? And, yeah, Andy, you know... you saw for yourself just how determined Pep Guardiola, you know, is and his players to keep right on top of this. Yeah, and, and, and in the end, it actually turned out to, um, you know, what was a, a fairly underwhelming first half of the game or first hour almost, turned out to be an impressive win. And it's impressive because it's psychological. It's like, for those of us who um, who enjoy a round of golf, it, it's like match play. You know, it's now like match play between Liverpool um, and Manchester City. Johnny, Crossy has no idea what match play is. Sorry? Sorry, Sorry, I just I have no a, idea a, what match play is. Sorry, I was just I'm, having I'm a little doze you, off Jesse, when you and, and, golf. And, uh, and maybe Donny, so. uh, obviously, who's been known yeah. to knock it around, of course. John, you can go and make a brew or something while I explain this <laughs> analogy, mate. Funny, Coffee <laughs> <huh? laughs> <laughs> at the ready. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's like on, on, on the Tuesday night, it's like if <laughs> you really won't get this crossy, um, <laughs> you, you know, sort of Liverpool are sort of 10 foot away from the hole and City are only five foot away from the hold, Liverpool hold that put, and all of a sudden that, that Manchester City put looks twice as long, if you get what I mean, which you probably... You've got some, you've put some work into this analogy, yeah. haven't you, Andy? Sorry? You've put some work into this analogy. You've thought about this a lot. 
I haven't. It just broke I mean, my mind. I, I mean, you know it's a good one. Has anyone got a green jacket on? That's what I want to know. I mean, God, <laughs> we've got to have a green jacket, haven't we? I mean, blimey, a green jacket. It just oh, God, every, well, each week, every one weekend a year, all I hear about is green jacket, lads. Well, last, last weekend, it was a tartan jacket. The way green jacket. I mean, it's not that hard. Andy, that was surely a gimme, gimme for Liverpool on Tuesday night, really, wasn't it? No, but, but listen, yeah, it was, yeah. But no, I'd say the reason I thought of it actually was that I was actually scheduled to play golf tomorrow, but I can't because obviously I've got I've got a, a bad back at the moment. Um, but and that's what made me think of that analogy. But listen, what, what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say is that basically what looks like for Man City an easy game against Brighton all of a sudden became a whole lot more difficult when Liverpool thumped Man United. Not just because Liverpool got the three points to put the pressure on City. <laughs> Because City would have looked at that game, you know, Guardiola would have looked at that game, the players would have looked at that Liverpool Man United game, and they would have thought, you know, tell me they didn't think, you know what, how good were Liverpool then? I know we'll probably, you know, lay into United at some point, but let's not forget Liverpool were fantastic. They were absolutely superb, I thought, on Tuesday yeah. night. Didn't get the credit they deserve. Were better than when they beat City in the FA Cup semi final. They were outstanding. And honestly, City must have looked at that. Guardiola looked at that. And he said as much after the game yesterday. He must have looked at that and thought, you know what? We really, really can't afford to have any slip-ups because the way Liverpool are playing, fully fit squad, attacking options galore, everyone in the best of health, you know, a brilliant supporting cast, Thiago running the show. City must have looked at that game and thought, you know what? Any hope we had, the Liverpool might drop points in, in, in awkward-looking games against... Everton at home, maybe, Spurs at home, you know, um, games like that, Newcastle away, any hope that we have, we just cannot hold on to that because Liverpool look like they're going to win every game, not just going to win every game, we're going to steamroll all the way through. So that's what would have put the pressure on City on Wednesday night. And it looked as though that pressure was on. I mean, Jeremy will will back that up. We, we, were, we, were, we were sat there together watching that and... It looked like that was the pressure, but they kept the patience. You know, they kept patience and they got a little bit lucky. But, you know, you can't say they were lucky overall because in the end, they dominated the game and then it was actually pretty bloodless in the end. So I was impressed by the way City responded. And now, of course, again, going back to the match play analogy, it, it will it will depend who's, who's first in the hole on every hole. Because this weekend, of course, you would expect Manchester City to take care of business against Watford on Saturday, putting the pressure onto Liverpool for their Sunday game against um, Everton. If they respond, I think they then get next first on a on the same day. Newcastle away, I think, on Saturday, the 30th um, early kickoff. And then Man City's travel to Leeds. So it's, it's just going to be going to be fascinating. But I think you know, we all, you sort of assume, the law of averages suggests that if, if, if two teams have got six games left, seven before the, the, this midweek fixtures that we've just seen, you would expect, you would actually expect a point to be dropped somewhere, two points to be dropped, or maybe three points to be dropped somewhere along the line. But you're looking at them now and you're thinking, you know what, really, I think one of the teams is going to win every game. If not, both teams win every game. And that's why it should be an absolutely fascinating battle. Throw in the complications of Champions League semi-finals, throw in Liverpool's FA Cup final date on March the 14th, when City obviously could play their game. I think they are playing their game away at Southampton. Then you've got injuries. You know, I do think Liverpool have, have actually got the the edge on that. You know, they've got an incredible squad now. You know, I think it's particularly freakish that uh, come April the, what, what date are we on? April the 20th. 
Liverpool have a fully fit squad. All look absolutely, you know, incredibly in, in incredibly good health with all those attacking options. But you know, City are not sure either. It's just it's going to be fantastic. It's just a tough one to call. If I had to call, Andy, I'd I, 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 I agree with you on um on, on in previous years. You'd say that someone would slip somewhere, but mm. I think the game, the Premier League, changed in two thousand and eighteen. Um, and that was when City, when Jurgen, I'm going to continue your golf analogy because I like it a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that, that's true. Around the whole hour, and also because Crossy hates it. Yeah. Um, <gasps> um, but Jurgen Klopp, 2018, was ready to shake hands with about eight holes to play. Yeah, uh, and Pep Guardiola said, "No, thanks very much, but I want my players to see this through, put every ball in every hole, and get to 100 points." Uh, and that. That run in then, when there was no pressure, when it's kind of you can be slack, but they kept that pressure artificially on themselves to got to that 100 points. Then the following season, we had that remarkable year when both teams went for yeah. so long without dropping a single game. Uh, and that's the mentality that Pep has, has trained into his side. And now Klopp's also done that. It means that we, it's going to go all the way again, as you say. And, and it could be that both sides, you know, could go be. all the way. Uh, and you know that's why perhaps uh, the the title decider um, at the Etihad was a decider because you know as much as it was a good point it, it wasn't enough of a point for for Liverpool and uh, yeah it's fascinating but but Guardiola I think won this will I think City will win the title and Guardiola put the groundwork for that down back in 2018 when he made his players play right to the end of the season and win every game because that's the mentality he works by and the mentality which he's made his players work by. Yeah, it is, it is, a, um, it is a fascinating toe-to-toe. Um, it's a jewel in the sun, Crossy. <laughs> it is. Yeah. That really will. <laughs> <laughs> Straight at me. They're all the gut analogies. Please, God. I, I, I was. I, 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 basically, I've been put. I was put off by uh, put off from golf, basically, because I had a very unfortunate accident with a golf club um, while playing crazy golf and it ended up hitting my mouth. Oh, you didn't get stuck on the windmill. Full on, full on, no, full on the, in, in, in the face and a terrible, terrible, oh God, I which what, I still feel so me. guilty about to this day. But I'll always remember I my first um, round ever round of golf, having had an impromptu lesson on the Friday morning after, a, shall we say, a heavy night out the football writers do. Um, I had an impromptu <laughs> golf lesson at the Muswell Hill Golf Club. And then oh. basically... I then played a round of golf at the Belfry on the Sunday. All right, nice. And it didn't, it didn't, it didn't actually for charity. I hasten to add, but it didn't go that well. And I, I could find, I could last be seen, sort of, kind of thrashing the sixteenth green with a golf club in sheer frustration. Desecration. God, what, what, what a, what a, what a bizarre game that is, really. But it did feel my, my one golf analogy here, Jeremy, is that basically last night. Was there a time when you just felt as if because I, I was at I was at uh, Chelsea Arsenal and then watched the highlights when I got in of of, of all the games on on match of the day, um, and w- it did look as if Pep Guardiola was ready to thrash a golf club into mm. into into a green, didn't he? During that first half, is, is what did you make of that? Because I mean, let's be honest, it was a walk in the park for United, but who looks more anxious out of the two title? Chases Jeremy, do you think? Well, Pep was, I mean, Pep, Pep was getting frustrated last night. Let, let's be honest. Guardiola is a jack in a box, you know, all the time, whether his team's winning, drawing, or losing. He looks like Basil Fawlty in that 
you know, technical mm. area at the best of times. So, but yeah, he was frustrated last night. Like Andy said, the first half was, you know, City just didn't have that edge. They weren't passing as quickly as we normally see them do. I think they had one shot on target in the first half, which is unlike them. But I never, I never thought they wouldn't win the game. I mean, fair play to Graham Potter and Brighton. They were very well organised. You know, they'd worked on a plan to stifle stitching. It did work for 45 minutes. I don't know what Guardiola said at half-time, but, you know, that clearly worked as well because they were a different side in the second half. But, you know, you you went in at half-time thinking City looked jaded. You know, they've got mm. more injuries, like Andy also said. They've got more injuries than Liverpool. Um, Guardiola alluded to this in the build-up to the game, you know, saying it's starting to take its toll. The season's starting to take take its toll on his squad, which I find ironic given the size of the squad he's got, really, and the amount of money he's spent. So, but, you know, um, so, yeah, it's going to... I know Andy also, you know, Matson thinks that the six games to go and, you know, under normal circumstances, you'd say, well, both those teams win six games on the spin. That's not that unusual because that's how high the standards are now with these two. But you never know when the pressure's on and there's so much at stake. I fully expect City to draw a game. I really do. But then, but you know, Liverpool could also drop points. It's just... Liverpool got Tottenham at home to come. Yeah, you know, I, I've looked. I looked. At, I've looked at all the games, and I think what, what is the trickiest. And I actually think that Liverpool's home game with Spurs is, is arguably. Well, on paper it is, but you just don't know how no, Spurs are going to play, do you? There's so unpredictable. No. We'll probably come on to that later when we talk about the top four. Um, so yeah, look, we all hope it goes to the last game of the season, don't we? And it, it, mm. the season deserves that to happen because these two sure. are really setting the bar so high, mm. so astonishing levels of performance. Yeah. It is fabulous, really. I mean, Andy, I would have said, right, before this week, that the quadruple is, don't be ridiculous. I mean, Virgil van Dijk, I thought, had it right after that game at Wembley, basically. There's a reason it's never been done before, because it's not an impossible. But if you look at the way that the season is opening up for Liverpool, is it possible? Oh, absolutely, it's possible. I mean, I've, I've, I've thought that... Um, for for several weeks, it's it, 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 it's it's I wouldn't say it's probable, but it's entirely possible. I mean, clearly, okay. So, so let, let's say you know leg number. Well, the next hurdle to get over is Villarreal, and 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 you would fully expect them to you know with respect to you and I Emery's team to to get past Villarreal because you know Villarreal. A lot very, of people have said that about Uno Emery teams, by the way. But there you go. Sorry, <laughs> a lot of a lot of people have said that about Uno Emery teams, by the way. But, 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 but listen, <laughs> come away not... from those games thinking, how on earth did that happen after yes. losing? But anyway, but, but I totally point. Totally. Exactly. But, but listen, Absolutely. Liverpool have got you know I've just got far too many, far too much attack and threat. You know that 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 is the key. You know, I mean, they are literally, you know, they're 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 perming three from five. Mane, Salah, Diaz, Jota, and Firmino, and whichever three you pair, it's just absolutely outstanding. You know, I mean, Diaz, you know, is such an exciting player, and it, it whatever Mane is just coming into his own. Salah scored two, getting back into goal scoring. But it just, it, it's hard to see now, now. Now the reason, so let's say Villarreal, I fully expect them to get past that particular hurdle. Then you've got, I'm just on cup competitions now. Chelsea in the FA Cup final, they beat them at Wembley, albeit on penalties this season already. And at the moment, you know, and you were there last night, and I've listened to Tuchel this morning, well, from his interview last night, and, you know, it's clear that, you know, it's not, 
it's it's not a, a completely happy ship at Chelsea, and Tuchel mm. isn't a completely happy um, guy in charge at Chelsea at the moment. I mean, for me, that much is clear. Okay, it's a one-off game, so I so mm. I, I would think the Liverpool go into that game as favourites, and then it's just the, just just the league, and, and and you know, again, I just I just think the resources they've got, the momentum that's being generated. And again, you know, we were both there, me and Jeremy, both games this week um, up in the Northwest. And, and you know, I know a lot's been made of it. And I'm the last one to start romanticising about atmospheres and about crowds and about, you know, what an impact they can have. But I'm telling you, I mean, I mean, as I say, it, 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 I'm the last one to do this about Anfield and all this, it means more stuff and all that nonsense. But I'll tell you what, I mean, that is that crowd is an asset. You know, it may not, it, 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 it's not necessarily a 12th man. It's probably not worth a goal. But I'll tell you what, it lifts them when they need lifts. And it tells them to pull the finger out when they need to pull the finger out. You know, and you don't see that at other grounds. You don't see that at City. I, I don't think that's, that's necessarily anyone's particular fault. And you just feel there's that momentum behind it. So can they do the quadruple? Absolutely. Is everything falling into place? Yes, it is. I mean, it is. You can't get away from the fact that it is falling into place. <laughs> You know, it, it falls into place when City, you know, get in loads of injuries at Atletico Madrid, either real injuries or or bogus injuries, you know, and play that team that they played. It falls into place when Zach Steffen goes in goal for Manchester City in FA Cup semi-final and De Bruyne doesn't kick a ball. You know, I mean, Pep said he couldn't kick a ball on Saturday. That's why he didn't come on. Four days later, he's putting in one hell of a shift for someone who couldn't kick a ball four days previously in a league game. Willing. And done. He spent about forty-five minutes warming up at Wembley on Saturday. Exactly. Put his shin pads on for some reason. Did he think he was going to get kicked while he was warming up? And it's like you know, it, it, it's it, you just feel that every single thing. Villarreal beaten Bayern Munich. City playing the reserves in the semi-final. Everything just looks as though it's falling into place. But don't take it away. The reason why I believe it's doable is because Liverpool right now have the best squad, fittest squad the most attacking options. I mean, and that's it. In last night's game, City did well, but once again, it was the old chestnut, which is like, you know, on repeat, what would they have done with a striker? You know, I, I you know, just going off on a tangent, I do think City, and I think Pep, it's, it's been an odd one, you know, in that they, not only did they, have they not got really conventional striker, unless you can Jesus, what they've done is they, they let Torres go, Signed an Argentinian kid and let him stay where he is. You know, so they're going into the last part of the season with loads of goal scoring options because they mm. score goals, you know, from all over the pitch. But in terms of out and out striking options, that's why I think Liverpool could, can do it. He can, yeah. he can play three of any five in any game and they can win it. Also, and of course, and of course, Andy, as you say, they've got Anfield as, as the extra asset, which is I why it, it is. means why it means more. They've got the twelfth man and the, and they've got the goal. Uh, generated by the crowd when they need it. Um, as you say, you did everything there to kind of um, to sort of kind of say, no, this doesn't mean more, and then argue that it does. But anyway, anyway, but we anyway, have yeah, some interesting true. comments here. Man City will drop points against West Ham or Wolves, boys. It will all go down to the last day of the season. Um, two, uh, which I think is uh, which is an interesting one. Our, our great friend Alan Chamberlain saying that Tottenham is the game I'm you know, a Liverpool fan, isn't he? Uh, Tottenham is the game I'm most worried about. Kane and Son on the counter attack against our high line, warning bells. Um, you know, it's a really 
Um, <laughs> Alan Chalmers actually had an crowd's an asset, City. but nothing like having a 12th man like Tierney. Hey, hey, <laughs> I, I honestly, think I, think, I think Paul, I'm sorry, I'm not a great fan of Paul Tierney. I think Paul Tierney is hey, but, 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 to but, himself. I don't think he's biased against anyone. John, he's biased against everyone. But anyway, John, but, just on. quickly, just quickly, I mean, we need to remind Alan that Paul Tierney did, of <laughs> course, um, was the VAR who ruled out Raheem Sterling's goal against Liverpool um, yeah. in the Etihad. Yeah, Crossing, yeah. just about going back to your original question about Liverpool winning four trophies, don't forget, records are there to be broken, aren't they? And mm. who'd have yeah. thought, who'd have thought a golfer would hold all four major titles <laughs> in any one season? Tiger Woods did that, remember? you obviously remember that, won't you? Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, in the calendar year... Well, who could, who could in, forget? In the calendar year... These amazing records can be done. I think they'll do it. Do you? Do you? Yeah. I just think the other, the, the other I mean, listen, we've all written so much about Erling Haaland, so let's not pretend that's a new story this week. But I do think that it's it does sort of kind of bring it into focus, doesn't it? Because, they, they, as Andy says, they've signed the sort of South American Player of the Year. They've signed, you know, hopefully going to sign Erling Haaland. I do think they're almost getting Haaland a little bit. It feels like they're a little bit... Not by default, but it feels as if Haaland, I think, has long wanted Madrid, hasn't he? And basically, that's just not going to happen because Mbappe. So as the timing has worked, maybe in City's favour, and I think he could be an absolute sensation at, at City. But you do, you do think whether that that whole striker issue, Jeremy. I don't know whether you agree. Is is ultimately, you know, when you compare the forward line of Liverpool against the forward line of City. I personally love watching City play because they're so fluid, they're so, you know, so open. I think Guardiola's a genius. But not having that out-and-out goal scorer, is that going to define that title race this season? No, I don't think so. I mean, Liverpool... um, Look, you know, Liverpool can rotate those five players, those five forward players, and they can play any combination they Mm. want. It doesn't affect them. It's not a negative. Mm. So that is a, a huge asset to have moving forward, you know, and they've signed Diaz um, and, and he's clearly going to be a wonderful player. Uh, now, who knows? Firmino might leave Liverpool in the summer. There's a mm. feeling that he may do. Um, will they sign another forward? I don't know. because They've got Jota still, who's had a great season for Liverpool. City have continued to win trophies what, since Aguero left. As, as wonderful a player mm. as he was, you know, the club's grace of a goal scorer and we've all got huge, huge admiration for him. They, they've continued to win trophies without him. So Guardiola will point to that fact that it can be done. And that is, like you say, a measure of his genius as a manager in solving that problem. But on the other side of the coin, he tried to sign Harry Kane last summer. He didn't come off, but there's a reason why he wanted Kane. And there's a reason now why he wants Haaland. And they'll get Haaland. And, you know, just imagine it when they do how many chances he's going to get in a game. You know, if he can score that many goals for, for Dortmund, you've got to say he's going to be scoring 30, 40 goals a season for City. So, you know, what do Liverpool do then? Do they counteract that and try and sign someone else like Kane maybe? I don't know. You know, it depends what happens with Tottenham finishing in the top four. But, you know, it just takes City on to another level when they get Haaland. And that's a frightening prospect for anyone, including Liverpool. No matter yeah. how good they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Matt, Matt do you, you know, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That, that sort of kind of this this cat and mouse game, really. Man City go obviously go first this season. But I was looking at the fixture list, and I know you're a stickler for research and what have you. But I do actually think that the majority of times for the running, it's Liverpool first, put them pressure on City. 
So who 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 do you fan who do you fancy will come out on top in the Premier League title race? I think I did look at this in case, uh, yeah, funny enough, did the same sort of research you did. It's not as one-sided as, as you'd like it to be for a decent story, to be fair. Mm. But, but you're right, Liverpool do do perhaps have some of the best of it. Um, uh, but I still think for those reasons, said before, i am clearly upset someone. Everyone, oh, musical chairs. It's just going um, and I can't afford yeah. the heating bill because of these fuel prices. Yeah. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, he didn't have a green jacket, so he put a blue one on instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I, I'll stay by what I said before. I think uh, in terms of, it's remarkable how close Liverpool are getting to this quadruple, but it's also remarkable how many teams um, have got close to the quadruple and not done it. And, and I mm. think the, the, um, the, the title race is the one where they're going to miss out. I, I fancy them for the Champions League again. And uh, but I think City will just hold on, right? Yeah, it isn't. I mean, it is fascinating, isn't it? The um, it's what we needed after yeah. some one season, one one sided, you know, Premier League title races yeah. or non races. So, yeah, wow, yeah. can you imagine honestly if it does work out that it's Liverpool Man City Champions League finals? Well, what oh, it will be. I reckon it will be. Well, I think sometimes, Jeremy, the more, the more we think it's absolutely nailed on, which it, you know. All intents and purposes, it pro- arguably should be, probably will be. But the more we think, sometimes it, it might just end up Real Madrid v Villarreal. Who knows? You know? well, I'll tell you what, if it does end up Liverpool, Man City, I hope it's a better final than Tottenham, Liverpool. Yeah. They were just so nervous. Dreadful game. Yeah, they're just so nervous. You don't well, think or Chelsea, Man City. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was a decent game. Yeah. It was a decent game. Well. Yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. Both played better, it would be fair to say, than Manchester United did at Anfield on Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, honestly, let's come on to the, the, the headline here on 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 producers run order Man United misery and doesn't just that say it all really in three simple words I mean it's just absurd isn't it that basically it's um it you know it's it's where do where do you where do you start really I mean wreck it Ralph did his best to throw a, a, a wrecking ball at the squad afterwards really I mean he's going to be a popular figure when he stays on afterwards isn't he and um Eric Ten Hag, what a mess he's in, 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 inherited, really. You know, there, there's some big backroom staff, legendary figures, really, uh, to depart from the scouting department in, in the fallout. Goal, they're paying a price. And, I, I mean, it's just, it's where, where, to, where to start, Jeremy, really. I mean, Ten Hag, you know, is, is the incoming manager. How big a job is this? And is is he a you know is this a gamble? And is is he big enough to 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 take it on? Because let's not fool ourselves here. Ajax haven't had the greatest of seasons seasons by their standards. They're supposed to win everything, and also by the way, they crashed out of the Champions League to Benfica. The sort of result that would have if he repeats that for Man United, then you know he'd have he'd have fans baying for blood. It's it's. Mm. Ooh, it's an inter- it's an interesting point in time, isn't it, for, for all concerned? Yeah, if I were Ten Hag and I was looking at that game on um, Tuesday night at Anfield, I'd be having serious reservations about 
going to United. I know this cliche about you can't turn them down and they're a massive club. They are a massive club, which is why their current problems are so fascinating and we're obsessed with how bad they are. The club looks rotten. You know, I think it's now suffering from years of mismanagement and poor ownership from people in America, the Glazers, obviously, who, you know, um, don't appear to have a priority, which is winning trophies. They, 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 they like to make money. We all know that. There's no secret to that. And, um, you know, they've, signed, they've spent loads of money on players down the last 10 years, but they haven't signed necessarily the right players and more importantly, the players with the right frame of mind, you know, the right attitude, the right spirit. Because you need a, you need to be a certain type of bloke to succeed at United. Keane alluded, alluded to it after the game at Anfield on um, Tuesday. Look, it, 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 as long as it, as long as Guardiola and Klopp remain in their current positions, at their current clubs, that just makes Tenard's job twice as difficult. It's already enormously difficult. Mm. But when he's taking on those two and trying to catch those two, you know, two well-oiled machines reaching their peak pretty much, you know, he's, he's unhiding to nothing. He really is. It's going to take mm. years. You can't, I mean, Ranik spoke this week about maybe getting rid of 10 players. You can't just get rid of 10 players in a transfer window. Mm. It's going to take four, five, six windows for United to resemble anything like a team they should be. And even if when they get to that point, they're still going to be so far behind City and Liverpool. It's going to, there's going to be years and years of pet, more pain, I think, for United before they're remotely close to being a semblance of the team they used to be under Fergie. Um, is he the right man? Look, I wish him luck. I really do. He's done a good job at Ajax. And United have looked at the job he's done with bringing young players through, and that's a similar sort of blueprint they want to do at United. Mm. Chucked a load of money at famous players. It's not worked, so they're going to have to come up with something different. Yeah. But you know, it, it's his managerial career will stand or fall on on this this move to Man United. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, Andy, is there? I don't know. Uh, is there is there hope for United? Do you sometimes you know do do you kind of have to hit rock bottom before you can move forward? Is I mean, I just don't know where where to go. The players just look sort of broken, don't they? Really? Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm sure they look broken. They look. A little bit disinterested, and and on a on a note that isn't often brought up, um, but I notice it once again, and I've noticed that you know I've seen United beaten by probably you know um, sitting Liverpool um, twice a piece with that fifteen-one deficit, and it could have been a lot more than that mm. differential between the two teams. And you know, I, and the one thing I, I keep on saying, I keep taking away from this, you know, is I look at them and they're not fit enough. I mean, I mean, that's probably one of the least, well, not one of the least worries, but it, it, it's just just one part of it. You know, the recruitment's poor, um, tactics are poor, managers poor, uh, backroom staff, you know, having no impact. But I'm, I'm serious; they are not actually fit enough. You know, they are blowing after sixty minutes. They were the same at Anfield on Monday nights. They are simply not fit enough, and that hints at a really deep malaise. And the malaise is. The players themselves aren't motivated enough to get fit enough to be able to match physically Manchester City and Liverpool. But there's no one there driving them to do that. So the whole thing isn't just a manager. It needs a whole new backroom staff. You know, I, I mean, I mean, you cannot underestimate, for example, in, in Jurgen Klopp's success at Liverpool, how important his backroom staff have been. Any manager will tell you that. 
Guardiola will, will, will tell you that. You know, and, and Klopp in particular, you know, wants the best of the best in each in, in each department, in the medical department, in the physio department, in the catering department, in the bus driving department, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is what United, you know, are, are, are short of. So that's the, the root and branch sort of um, reform that's needed, for example. They look like the team. The players look like they've got no direction being given to them, either sort of tactically or physically. I, re- I, re- I really do think that's an enormous, enormous thing in, in the whole situation. So so it is going to need, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, things, some, things are cyclical. You know, when things are cyclical, we might, we'll talk about the Merseyside derby, you know, sort of um, later on. And you know, there, there was there have been times when when you know Liverpool have been way behind Everton. It does happen. You know, Manchester United have been, you know have been down before. You know, Manchester City, we, we, it is, and, and it can change. And the club with the resources of Manchester United, um, and with the you know the global standing of Manchester United, you know, have the ability to re-establish themselves in that very, very, you know, elite bracket. So, but it's just going to be a long job, you know, a relatively long job. It might be three years, it might be five, it might be seven, it might be ten. And the question, I, I, I agree with what you've said, the the annual, the question is, is Ten Hag the man to do that? Are the people that he brings in, you know, good enough to do that? Because it'll be fascinating to see. If you speak to, you know, our... Dutch colleagues, I know certain of them who obviously see firsthand far better than us the job that Ten Hag and the way he operates at Ajax, and 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 they have reservations. There's no doubt while they like him, they have reservations. They think everything is perfect for him at Ajax. You know, it's the system is there in place. You know, to bring kids through. Um, there's probably not as much pressure, and they wonder, like everyone. But then again, it's the same with anyone who goes into United. How do you cope? You know, with Mm. The size of the club that is Manchester United, David Moyes, you know, was is doing a fantastic job now, and and I think we'd all recognise as being a very very good manager. But you know, the perception was he didn't cope with it at Manchester United. So, how Ten Hag is going to do? I mean, literally, time will only tell. But you know, it's going to be a root and branch reform, as has been outlined. Um, but it's not impossible. No. I always always get scared, Matt, when when people talk about root and branch. Yeah, review. But um, you know, I think we generally we used to hear that after every World Cup and Euros, didn't we? Yeah, Blimey, yeah, yeah. But anyway, but um, I well, what know, I would it, just say though is is mm. again, it comes back to the thing. United have gone to for this root and branch. All these these grand designs that that we're doing. United have gone for the man who currently has a managerial CV that makes him the next Frank de Boer. This is why I can't get my head around. He's got no experience of doing all this. Frank mm. de Boer brought through some talent at Ajax, had six successful years, came out, lasted 85 days at Inter and about 10 weeks at Southampton. You know, I think, you know, there's no evidence to say that Ten Hag is going to do anything different, you know, uh, and he hasn't got the international playing career uh, yeah, behind him that the, the, the Boer had. Uh, it's just a, a ludicrous job. It's completely ill-fitting person to, to do this sort of project and the, and the, as the size of the project reveals itself week on week he just seems more and more out of his depth and and united's mm. board i just don't understand why they're, they're not giving it to somebody and giving the time and the faith to somebody who has at some point in their career shown they can do a job like this mm. mad absolutely mad 
So sorry, quickly, man. We, 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 we've had this discussion similar on before. And I, I see where you're coming from, but who is the answer? I mean, who is the question? Who did they give it, it to? Don't it? What about this? Is a bit of a curveball. This, and I get, I totally get what you're saying. So if you look at the bigger picture, and you're, you're Richard Arnold, the chief executive of Man United, you're looking at the pool of managers available. Mm. Who is there? Conte won't be available, will he? Probably. If he gets Tottenham in the top four, they've, they've turned him down once. Mm. Um, Tuchel won't leave Chelsea. Klopp and Guardiola, the two best managers in the world, they're going nowhere. Nagelman's not pulling up any trees at Bayern Munich. Who who is who is out there that can give it to? Mm. What about giving David Moyes another crack? Whew. <laughs> I know he made an absolute pig's ear of it the first time round, but what a job he's done at West Ham. He's more experienced. He's a better manager for the experience of what happened at United. I think he's he's a really more rounded manager now. I now think he's out of career as well. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he'd take it, would he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but at least he at least he'd know what he's walking into this time. He's totally blown yeah. away by the whole size of the job before. That yeah. was nearly ten years ago. He's got he's got a lot more experience under his belt now. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Ted Hag's the answer. I agree, Matt. I just don't think he's the answer. I no. just don't think he's got a good enough CV to stand up to the challenge that he's got on his plate there. He won't know what City wants against United. He won't know. No, what I also worry that's about that's what, how talk, the players will say, respond, really. I mean, I don't, you know, I just don't, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about it at all, really. Who would you, right, who, who would you give it to Crossy if you were Richard Arnold? Who would you go for? <laughs> Ancelotti might be available this summer. Yeah, he might be. I just feel with Ancelotti, Ancelotti has reached a stage in his career, and I do really like Ancelotti, where I think Ancelotti is, you know, he's a, he's a lovely guy. He's a fantastic guy, but he's he's a, he's not a short-term manager, but a mid-term manager almost. And he comes in, steadies the ship, you know, basically makes everyone happy because that's the way he is, and he's a superman manager, and he's a super, super manager. But I just feel as if, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it's the way forward, but I don't see him as as, as someone that's going to spark a, a, a revolution. I mean, listen, I, I mean, I think that the, the perfect fit, well, the perfect fit would would arguably be um, uh, Thomas Tuchel, really. But then also, also <laughs> I just feel as if you can't get Tuchel, and I don't think they would be able to get Tuchel because I think Tuchel has acted so... Admirably, although he had such a such a meltdown last night, you, you wonder whether the whole thing's boiling over and getting to him. Really, what was that all about? I mean, it was just remarkable. You know, the pitch um, thing was a classic. Yeah, it was just bizarre, absolutely yeah. bizarre. Um, but he, um, I couldn't quite under, I couldn't quite get my head around it. But yeah, I, I would I would have gone for Pochettino really for the available ones, just because I think you know every manager right. It gets done for at PSG, and I think Pochettino was United's first choice. That's my that that was my view, and then he's basically played his way out of out of being first choice in the last six months. I mean, he's had an absolute stinker right at PSG, and basically, but PSG is is does for managers like no other. I mean, what we're we going to say, you know, that basically, you know, is Thomas Tuchel come unstuck there? So is he a bad manager? You know, is Unai Emery came unstuck there? You know, uh, you know he's gone on to do other other great things since. I, I mean, where where do you start? Surely there's got to be a theme developing here, and pe- you know, people have got to realise that it might not be the manager, but it might be the club. 
and the structure. And it's the job, and it's the job they want doing. United, yeah. you're asking a question. Have you got experience of building a team over five years, you know, picking a team up, turning it around and building it up over five years? Uh, Pochettino, yes. It doesn't matter what he's done at PSG. That was a different job. That yeah. was a different project. And it's the same here. You know, have you got experience of moulding a bunch of Dutch kids into a, a half-decent football team in your own country? <laughs> Ten Hag, yeah, wipes the floor on that score. So if United want to move to Holland and start competing with a bunch of kids, then go and do that and have him as your manager. He's the man for the job. But they don't. They want to rebuild a, an absolute shambles uh, and a mess, which is what Spurs were uh, after they wasted the Gareth Bale money um, and uh, and build a team that can compete for the top honours like the Champions League and get to the final uh, and unfortunately Poch is someone with that on his CV he also has some misses on there and, and like you say PSG features on quite a number of CVs Matt, so, Matt, 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 also, Matt, I also think he's, he's a players manager player. he's a players manager isn't he I mean the see, players respond to the, the relationship with Sorry. Unbelievable. Is Pochettino po- 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 your favourite manager of all time? Uh, no, you think he's got a statue outside the Tottenham Stadium? A statue, for, <laughs> a statue for his runners-up spot in the Champions League? No, no, of course not, because he wasn't, I mean, because he, he didn't win anything at the top. When you oh. look over a club's history, a club that wins stuff at times in history should celebrate the managers who win that sort of thing. But the job he did in the period he did it, was was remarkable and exactly what United need at the moment. That's the Crossy, point. Can I can I just interject? Um, am I allowed to tell, say anything? There's going to be an announcement by Man United at just after eleven o'clock. I think we know what that's going to be. I think yeah. we do. Yes. So all this is a, is, is a little bit irrelevant, I guess, because Ten Hag will be announced just after eleven o'clock. Well, can there we be go. the first to say what a bad decision it is then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt, you're a little bit anti-Dutch, aren't you? I can, I can feel this coming on. Has anything ever happened to you in Holland? No, I'm just... <laughs> not that I remember. Um, yeah, no, I was... Uh, Frank yeah, the Ball, was, Ten Hag. <laughs> no, no, I mean... Well, he Frank, don't even like Heineken. You know, great things were hoped of him, not least when he arrived in Southampton, uh, to, to take them to a new era, and it was a disaster. And... You know, because he had no experience at doing that sort of thing, any time he tried to manage a big club into Milan, same problem. You know, he gets to the even the Dutch job where he should have been and they lost only Dutch manager to lose it, not to win his first four games. Southampton you know, or it, Crystal Palace? That, sorry? Palace. Southampton. Eh? Sorry, I keep saying uh, Palace. Yeah. Awesome. Sorry. Um, but... Uh, you got uh, me yeah. the first time and I was thinking, Palace. Oh, yeah, no, Palace, Palace was when, you know, they'd had a series of... We yeah. Get right. We're going to move on and build a a generational thing. Mm. Uh, build a team that you know over five years again. Another one, a Dutch manager who couldn't come and you know eighty five <laughs> days. He wasn't didn't get very far along the project line. Um, but uh, ten weeks wasn't it at, at, um, at Palace? But uh, uh, but yeah, but it's these managers that do something, <laughs> and then therefore become the greatest managers to do something else. And it's like it's different jobs. So yeah. go with the managers that have done that job. That's why City, yeah, they wanted Pep Guardiola. They identified it way, way back and sat and waited until he was available. And for all that we say now, well, Tuchel's not going to be available now. Conte won't. They've had, well, since 2013 to find their next great manager. You know, and if they'd had the wit to spot some of these people and, and say, look, you're not ready now, but come next summer. They even had a patsy there waiting to fall on his sword in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who would have cheerfully and smilingly, as, as we found out when he, you know, one of the, the greatest resignation 
disappearances of all time mm. when he came and did a full media round, everything. You know, absolute gentleman of the club who was holding the position and would have done a half-decent job if they had a plan in the background to say, right, as soon as he becomes available, yeah, I'm sorry, but but you're off. But can you mm. can you hang on in the meantime? They, yeah. they had that perfect man in the in place, and then they just wasted it. And now they're flapping around, watching all their rivals sign up better managers, mm. and uh, you know, uh, and they're behind the curve. For, you know, Tenag will be United's fifth manager in nine years, which says everything about mm. how the club has been run. And B, what a massive job it is at United. Mm. It chews people up and spits them out, and I think Tenago. I think he'll be he'll be the latest statistic on that. On that, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit harsh. The guys are through the door. I mean, like, he's coming through the door in ten in twenty minutes, doesn't he? Yeah, no, and you've got him out in half an hour. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. it's been it's been nice to meet you, Eric. Good luck, and uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. See you in the next job. Right, okay. We've written him off, really. Well, he's, 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 it's fair to say he's got a big job on his hands. He's got a big job, yeah. Especially when is he might well be inheriting a team uh, outside of the Champions League if the top four race is anything to go by. Listen, I do think it's a three-horse race, isn't it, guys? I think, you know, isn't it Tottenham in, in pole position? Arsenal maybe, you know, second second choice. United. Do you know? I don't know what people think about West Ham still still in in the mix, or is the Europa League? I think that's their tie's going to be, be their focus, issue. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, who, who, you know, what response now from Arsenal uh, uh, Chelsea? Frankly, um, Matt, you know, you you, you watch the game, and it's just yeah. it's a hell of a hell of a performance because having lost the last three in such you know. Ridiculous circumstances, poor opposition, you know, if, if, you, if you want to call it like that, not poor opposition, but teams that they were supposed to beat, basically. And then yeah. all of a sudden they, they face the hardest game of the four on paper and they go and blitz Chelsea away. Well, it was, I thought it was an important stepping stone last night because mm. it's the first time they have beaten one of the big, apart from that North London derby when um, under Nuno when they beat Spurs at the start of the season, who really were completely clueless. They've not beaten a big side. They've lost, in fact, every big six side they've played. Uh, and they've got to run a three of them now. And that's what I... That was in danger of scuppering their hopes for the Champions League. And they stood up and fair play to Arteta. Um, he dropped Lacazette, which was a big call. But I think it gave them the... Uh, the right shape to to stand up to um to Chelsea and l- they were lucky because they caught a Chelsea side that were completely off it um last night but to be fair you know Arsenal players made them not fancy it by by doing enough to ruffle a few feathers and and it was a it was a deeper more impressive performance uh from from their players than, than perhaps when they've knocked the ball around you know hopeless defenses and scored lots of goals uh, and it was a sign that perhaps they are ready for the Champions League, um, and I've not thought that at all this season. Um, but but yeah, it, it was a, a, just a different type of performance, uh, and I particularly enjoyed right at the end of the penalty when you got you got to have your characters in that dressing room, uh, and watching Granite Xhaka run from where he went after the penalty award, and re- realised there was a bit of a, a, a melee forming, 
ran from the uh, touchline receiving instructions from Arteta, ran 50 yards to go and stand on the edge of the group and wag his finger around. I thought, well, that's, that's somebody who like run across, like, I'll sort this out, lads. But uh, I, I, they're a little bit short on, on perhaps some of the, the, the main men that they need, but but they are getting there in the right right way. So I suppose they're going to have to be on their toes and, and, and often they've dropped the ball. So, um, you know, this isn't a City-Liverpool race. This is kind of the opposite of that where where you can see points being dropped anywhere by by the pair of them. I, I do think United are too far off without any sort of momentum to feature in this now. So I don't Chelsea, I think Chelsea, what what's happened to Chelsea's defence? I know. Eleven goals in three games at home. Absolutely crazy. That I mean really- I, listen, I do think there's a d- degree of uncertainty here that still sort of is looming large, you know. Who are the you know who's going to be the owners? What what you know? Tuchel doesn't look like some sometimes doesn't seem as if he's coming or going. And what he's done up until this point is just remarkable to hold it all together. Honestly, he's grown ten times in stature for for me. Absolutely astonishing. But and you know, <laughs> there's going to be occasions like last night where he has the he has the ultimate meltdown. You, I think you've almost got to got to excuse him that. I mean, mm. what a remarkable job he's done, really. But I do think it's lucky that Chelsea were, you know, that that far ahead in third. Otherwise, I think that, you know, frankly, their bottom might be going. But to have reached a cup mm. final, to hold it together, what a job he's doing, really. But I still, I do still think that Spurs are favourites for me. I said said some weeks ago, even when it looked like Spurs were out there running and sort of kind of, you know, Arsenal looked... I, I, you know, hate to say I told you so, but I told you so that basically I still felt that the, the con just because Conte is such a good, good manager, I still feel that they're, they, they're they've in the got they've seat. got that game at White Hart Lane, haven't they? Which is Arsenal, the yeah. ultimate six pointer, uh, and I think that's yeah. that's for Arsenal to catch them and overcome that that yeah. game. It's going to be too much for Arsenal to ask. Yeah, I agree. I just want to touch briefly on that. On that, it's a relegation duel now, isn't it, between Burnley and Everton? Uh, Andy, yeah. uh, 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 you know, are Everton going to keep their heads above water, do you think? It, it was last night a big point? It was a big point. You know, there's no getting away from it. it you know, it, considering how few points there are down there um, this season, uh, at the bottom four or five, then it was a huge point, yes. I mean, and I do think they would just have enough. You know, I do think they will leak out enough points. You know, considering Burnley have won what, you know, Four games all season, is it four mm. Premier League games? You know, I mean, listen, the sacking of Dyche, for example, was, I don't think any of us would, would, would say it was a good idea because, but only on the basis that I thought that Dyche was going to be the best person to bring them back up because I thought they were going down. Mm. You know, um, to, to ask him to gain sort of 10 points or whatever it might take from now to stay up when they'd only won four games all season in 30 games, you know, didn't really make, you know, I could see the logic. I, I can, I can, sadly, I could see the logic. In having a change, but um, I don't think it's going to have any effect. I think, yeah, I mean, bottom line is, uh, I think, I think the Burnley aren't good enough to get past Everton. Everton aren't great, um, but I think they will eke out enough points to stay up. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty straightforward, really. What Watford, obviously, in theory, could still could could make a bit of a run, but you know, they'll they'll surely get beaten at the Etihad on on Saturday, and and I wouldn't say that's that, but you know, that's pretty much that. I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is. It is a strange. It is a strange one. Listen, let's finish on the. Um, shall we on the uh, Merseyside derby goals? Come on, they're basically. I, I, I mean, also, you know, I mean, 
do you, uh, do you give Everton any chance at Anfield? Any chance at all? Bearing in mind, I thought Derby games were supposed to be a bit of a form book out the window, a great leveller. So just before we go into the goals, any, any chance for Everton at all? And Burnley, maybe. They've got Southampton at home, haven't they? Sort of kind of... Yeah. I look at it and I, I don't know, you know, if they can, a bit, maybe they should have taken all three points at West Ham, you know, if they convert that Possibly. penalty, you know, I don't know. It, uh, but Everton have still got to get, you know, still got to get some wins on the board, haven't they? And uh, they, have, they have crossed, but I'll tell you what, that point last night could be massive, couldn't it? Yeah, agree. Charleston got a late equaliser, one, they're now four points in front of Burnley, which sounds, doesn't sound yeah. a massive lead, but it sounds so much better than three. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like Dunny said, Burnley have sacked Dice. They've clearly got no plan as to who they want to come in. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they'd have been in by now. Yeah. When they announced they were sacking him, I thought, right, they've got somebody teed up. You know, whether it be Allardyce or whoever, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're now nearly a week on and they're facing the second game yeah. tonight and they're not, they've still got, you know, the under 23 boss in charge. So they're clearly mm-hmm. floundering around. I think that, 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 well, I always think, didn't think Burnley would stay up anyway, but I think that's just. Nail, nail, put the final nail in the coffin. I think Everton will just about survive. Mm. Yeah. 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 Because, of course, yeah, look, if Everton win one more game and there's another three point swing, that'll be it. That's all they need to do, really. But, you know, they could still lose every game this season, Everton, and stay up because the, the teams below them, Burnley and what I mean, Watford and Norwich are probably down, but Burnley, I just can't see them winning enough points to, to catch Everton, no matter what Everton do. Yeah. yeah. If, if, Burnley have got Watford, haven't they, next week? Which Who's that, sorry? Burnley have got Watford, haven't they, yeah. next week? That, that's, that could be a step up if they they, they need to win that, don't they? Yes. Yeah, I, mean, I think Everton have also got Watford in the running, haven't they, I think, away. And they've got Brentford at home. Chelsea home, you know, you didn't wonder in Chelsea's current situation. Talking about Sunday's game in particular, John, as you mentioned, whether or not Everton have got any chance at all of getting anything. Well, you know, as as, as Don King, you know, once said, you know, slim, slim and none really, and he's just seen slim, and he's packing his bags and heading out of town. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, really, Everton, I've, I've, and that's not, that's not. Well, it is a slight, I guess, on Everton, but it's not. It's just on the fact that Liverpool just look phenomenal on air yeah. tonight. So for Everton to go there and get something would be a remarkable achievement. I think. I think what they've got to do, and you mentioned here about Chelsea conceding goals. Well, up until. Um, in that little period of games that, that actually Liverpool didn't even lose, but they had th- Liverpool had three games where they kept tabs on City in the title race. They qualified for the semi-finals of the Champions League, and they qualified for the final of the FA Cup. Yet in those three games, they conceded seven goals, mm. which is a lot for an elite team. And 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 it could have been more. I mean, let's face it; they could have conceded more in the in the home game against uh, any. In the game at the Etihad, the Premier League game at the Etihad, they could have conceded more than the two. They actually could, could have conceded more against Benfica than the three they did. Mm. And that was, mm. it, it was a much-changed team. Um, so, And then they conceded two to City, to a second-choice City team at Wembley. And again, probably Allison had the, 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 the harder saves to make in that game. And you did get the feeling if the game went on for five minutes longer, they would have conceded. So what I'm trying to say is that although Liverpool's defence has has rightly been acclaimed. And once again, we're looking at the likes of Van Dijk and sort of, and talking maybe in terms of end of season honours. Mm. I think they're quite vulnerable if you get at them. You know, Trent has been magnificent. And again, would be one of my uh, um, shortlist of players for football of the year. 
you know, maybe we'll we'll have a chat about that, you know, um, next week maybe because I think that's a fascinating discussion. Mm. By the way, who would be your football of the year? I think you know, not time now, but it would be. But you know, Trent would be amongst them. But let's face it, he's he's just basically jacked in defending, hasn't he? More or yeah. less, yeah. you know. And I don't mean in a bad way. It's just that he doesn't need to. You know, he, he he's a Liverpool playmaker on the right hand side. So I do think that they're vulnerable. So I do think Everton's, you know, and it's easy to say, you know, best boy is not to just, um, you know, put two banks of, you know, five and and, and try and keep Liverpool out. So I do think their, their, their best chance is to actually have a little bit of a go at Liverpool. But, you know, the chances of getting anything, you know, um, uh, I, I, I really, I, I really think it would be, you know, I think they're, they're probably got a better chance than, United probably just. Mm. Yeah, no, it'd be interesting. Right, guys, let's finish with your Merseyside goals, Merseyside derby goals. Come on, Matt, what's your favourite Merseyside derby goal? Oh, I think the 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 one where Ian Rush hits the camera, isn't it? Isn't that one of the iconic goals of the 1980s <laughs> when Liverpool and Everton were, were at their peak? Um, uh, the best two teams in the land, the Merseyside derby really meant was was often a title decider um and it was at Wembley which was the second home of many of these Merseyside derbies and uh and you get the camera I mean what yeah. more is there to say well great striker and uh just sticks in the mind yeah yeah Jeremy yeah I was gonna say the same one that's one of my abiding memories from being a lot younger uh, although Matt McAllister, I think 2001, McAllister scored an absolute screamer from about 40 yards to win it for Liverpool 3-2 I think at Goodison and the one that treble that year of the um, was it the UEFA Cup, mm. um, League Cup, and FA Cup, which is, was an astonishing goal. That I always remember that one. There's been some belting goals in Merseyside Dark. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of a different one. I think I was so sure that one. I couldn't can't quite remember the circumstance. I was so sure that one of you would choose it. I've got that it would back it up. But Andy, you're going to go Graham Sharp, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Sharpie, mate. Cool. <laughs> How can you not give it? It's one of the most seminal goals in Merseyside. Yeah, brilliant goal. Brilliant goal. By the way, it's the best, it's the best technical goal as well. Brilliant. And you know what? It, it's one of those things, is, is we all obviously we all it was 84, it was October 84, mate. And and, I'll, oh. I'll, and it, it's funny, you know, because we all I was we 13 then. Sorry? I was 13 then. Blimey, that's one. Blimey, what was your paper round like, mate? <laughs> Blimey, that must have been one heck of a paper round. Were you up and down the flats there in Yorkshire? <laughs> You've slept a couple of years, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> so they say I can't take years off me then, right? <laughs> oh, Did you get your money back? I mean, it's just, you know, cool. It was October 84. But, but you, know, you know, the funny thing about, the, the thing about Sharpie's goal, you know, and, and we all... Silver's more does obviously go to go to go to maybe Everton um to cover football matches and Sharpie's always there, you know, and, and top lad Sharpie, you know. I mean absolutely me. now of course, you know, um actually in a in a sort of um on in a board role now at Everton and not before time, and just an absolute legend. And and every time, even though you know, you see Sharpie and I and I've seen him socially and you see him out in the golf course or you see him, you know, around the club, whatever. No matter what, almost 40 years on, every time you see him, you can't get that goal out of your head. And it was October 1984. And no matter, whenever I see Sharpie, I will always just see him burying that ball from that distance. I'll, I'll always see Mark Lawrence in. Every time I see him, we all see him sort of like sort of loitering in the background as Sharpie takes it down with his left foot 
and buries it with his right foot to win the football match, by the way, to win the football match. And you talk about deciders. I mean, obviously, that was early in the season. But you know what? Liverpool was 17th after that game. And you know what Everton went on? I think the next game, they beat Manchester United 5-0. And obviously, the whole ramifications there now obviously went on to win the uh, league in 84-85. And obviously, we know the history of what happened what, what happened then, you know, and one of the great Everton teams, the yeah. great Everton teams. One the of the great teams, Danny, of the 80s, by the way. Sorry? I, mean, I, I always think that 85 team was almost better because it was just such yeah. a perfect fit than 87 almost, if you know what I mean. But yeah, it was just yeah. a wonderful team, wasn't it? And it was I one do. of the great teams of an incredible era, you know. It, it, incredible teams, obviously an incredible manager, you, you know, the, the, in, in 84, the late Howard Kendall. And it was just, you know, I mean, again, you see those kind of, it, it really is... I mean, Everton, I suppose, just like any other club, you know, there's always the history there of the great teams, isn't it? And and, and you see these people all the time now, don't you, when you when you go there to Everton. It's a great club for to have an ambassador. So Kevin Ratcliffe, you see, you know, all, all, all the time, Ratters, you, you, you know. Mm. I mean, I'm a magnificent player um, for that team. You know, I mean, I mean, and, and as I say, Sharpie, it was just one of the great goals. Hey, listen, there have been plenty, plenty of great goals. I mean, I'm one of the most memorable ones. I mean, the weird one, I mean, Origi's goal the other year when Pickford made oh, a, yeah, a mess yeah. of that one was one of the great ones. Those of an older, of a, older um, even older generation than me will recall things like um, an own goal from um, Sandy Brown at Everton, Sandy Brown, mm. which is one of the great own goals. So, yeah, plenty, plenty. But listen, for those of a, you know, for those of a blue persuasion, Sharp, Sharp's goal against Everton, Incredible, and also I, I remember Robbie Fowler's. You know, remember his hat trick. They weren't exactly, you know, great goals, but was his hat trick when he scored the penalty and then went down the touchline in front of Everton mm-hmm. fans, um, um, on his hands and knees down the line. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. I digress. Yeah, remember who played the celebration? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I suspect that you know, if, if Dominic Carver living or if Richarlison could repeat that, then. Um, but it's a goal, and, and this is what what great great goals do. It's a goal that yeah. Listen, Sharpie was a brilliant player for Everton. You know, I mean, I don't know how many goals, 150, 160 goals for Everton. A fantastic player, a fantastic leader of the line. Um, but you know, it's just an example that that one special goal, you know, will always live in the memory of of, of fans, and that was a that was a truly iconic goal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's um, hell of a fixture, hell of a fixture, and ramifications for for for, for both ends of the table this weekend. But um, yeah, amazing. No, I have to say, Danny. I mean, I have to say that was that is the that is the that is the classic goal that I always think of that defines uh, um, fabulous goals in the Merseyside derby, without question. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for joining, and. Um, yeah, it's 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 a big day. It's a big day for for Manchester United. But have they mm. got the right man? That is the, that is the issue. Judging by the panel and what we said earlier, no. <laughs> so good luck, Eric. Um, anyway, uh, guys, um, so, you know, thanks so much for joining. Thanks everyone at home for watching, and uh, and we'll catch you same time, same place next week. Bye.